0: You know, the first big break I had in Hollywood, I did a pilot for NBC called Cold Feet.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it was picked up, went to series, was canceled after nine episodes. And in the pilot episode, I had to sing naked, with a rose <laughs> in my ass. Do you remember this? You don't remember this. Cold Wait, feet.
2: No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Do I do I, what, do I remember the show? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. No. I've Probably
0: never. not. It was sort of a friends spinoff. It was three couples all at various stages of their mm-hmm. relationship. And it was my first series lead and my first big break. The first time I really got a Is good paycheck. Is it on paycheck. Netflix? No, it was nine episodes. It came and went. I don't think you can find it anywhere. But I had to sing. I wasn't worried about being naked. I had a great body. I was young. I was like, yeah, everybody can see me naked. That's no problem. But I had to sing, and I had never sang before.
2: Would you sing?
0: I sang, fly me to the moon and let me play among the stars. Let me know what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. Um, and yes. I was, my co-star was, uh, Jean Louisa Kelly, who was a Broadway star <laughs> and was in the movie, Mr. Holland's Opus. She was oh, yeah. the singer, the young girl, you know, uh-huh. just like perfect voice. So I'm singing to her that added to my fear. And when I finished uh, the first song, uh, singing for the first song, uh, the first take, um, It's like cut, and she looked at him. She's like, "Oh my god, you're a good singer." (laughs) I was like, "Oh, thank you." I don't know if the audience feels that way based on what I just sang, but uh,
2: I need to see this pilot. (laughs) Everybody's Uh, gonna want to see this pilot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Cold Feet. Maybe it's on YouTube somewhere. I don't think so. I don't (laughs) think it exists anywhere. This is pre. This is 1999. This is pre-YouTube, pre-internet, pre-iPhone, not pre-internet, but I didn't have an email address at that point. Oh, wow. hmm I great. only got my first email address the next year, my first computer. I mean, I had other computers, but my first real computer.
2: I'm old. We're old. Well, the point is that you can sing.
0: A little bit. Not I'm not great, but I can carry a tune if it's in my range. But you're the real singer.
2: Uh, the real singer. The real.
0: You're a professional singer. You can. You. You can. You're fancy when you sing. I just. You know, sing like a normal person. Who's yeah, but not horrible. I don't.
2: I don't count that. I, I. Like. I mean, I understand what you're saying, of course, but I appreciate anyone who loves to sing. Yes. And you love to sing.
0: I only really love to sing Lakota songs. I know. Hmm.
2: But it's. But. But that's what I mean. Like you love it, and. Hmm. I greatly appreciate it. So I think of you as a singer.
0: Well, when I go to Sweat Lodge, that's what they call me. I'm I'm Exactly. The, yeah, people are like, "Oh, he's the singer." And I was, I remember the first time somebody introduced me that way. That that's how I, you know, that that's how I was seen. And it was how so feel. strange to me. Well, because I up to the time I was 47 years old, well, I did this pilot when I was I don't know, 29, 30, but I still didn't consider myself a singer just right. because I sang one song and it wasn't horrible. Uh, but ne- yeah, now, uh, I'm a singer. I am a singer. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of Lakota songs. Speaking of Lakota songs. Sweat Lodge. No, oh, we have sad news about Yoshi.
2: Oh, oh, he, oh he he just scared me. Would, did, did, is there more news? No, okay, but,
0: okay.
2: um,
0: yeah. Yoshi's in the hospital. It seems like, well, I think he had a stroke and then he crashed his car and he broke his ribs and mm. he's been basically unconscious unconscious since Thursday morning it's now Tuesday evening uh there's been some movement he's he, he, at one point he almost opened his eyes apparently mm-hmm. and he's been you know squeezing hands and uh moving his foot people have been singing to him and talking to him and there's been some response but He's still, uh, I, I guess, technically in a coma, mm. and it's very sad. It was mm. shocking news, and I think I'm going to fly there this weekend, oh. just to visit him in the hospital. And I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't. I don't know if he's going to wake up or not. I don't. And if he does, like, how much damage will this stroke have done? Is the question. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very sad. And then I was talking to Diana about it and she brought up the dream that I had that I shared on this podcast about being in the car with Yoshi and he was driving and I had this feeling that he was ready to go mm. and that he then drove off the cliff.
2: Oh, that's right. And we were
0: falling upside down and... I was, I, you know, not afraid. I was just at peace with it. And, you know, I said, I love you, Yoshi. He said, I love you, David. And mm-hmm. then we crashed. Or it all went black. And I woke up. And we were both fine. And then, you know, he said we should go. We have to go. And he was worried. He was nervous. And then we went to the car, which was just, I don't know, a ways away. And as we were... Getting in the car, uh, an SUV, a black SUV pulled up. People got out with guns, and uh, that was the end of the dream. And I'd made the decision, the important part, I think, too, important detail was I'd made the decision that I was going to uh, fight there. I was was not going to let them take me anywhere. I was going to fight or die trying. Mm-hmm. You know, which mm-hmm. I probably knew they were probably going to kill me, but I was like, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. And then I have a client who, and maybe I can read this at some point. I don't know. She interpreted that dream after listening to the podcast Oh, in a really interesting way.
2: What did she say?
0: Well, the other thing that happened before I get into that is that, uh, so that I think I got that. News on Saturday, and and then I called my father.
2: Right after that, yeah. Uh
0: And my father is not doing well, right? Mm. And he knows it. And you know, it's he's got this lung condition. He was a lifelong smoker, and he's got no wind. He can't climb stairs or really even cross the street. So he's pretty sedentary, and he's just, he's at this, he's lost 50 pounds I and mean, he was heavy. So he had weight to lose, but he said that he's getting weaker. He feels weaker as he's losing weight. And I asked him how he lost the weight. like, what, how'd you lose 50 pounds? Especially if you can't exercise. I can't, you know, he's not walking anywhere. He's not doing anything. So obviously he can't be eating much at all.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: And 50 pounds is a lot to lose mm-hmm. at 74. And, uh, He's sleeping an hour on and then he's up for an hour and sleeping for an hour and up for an hour. That's his all through 24 hours a day. Mm. That's not good. Mm -hmm. So that made me sad. Mm. And these, my father, my literal father and then a a father figure, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: sick, you know, dying potentially helpless mm-hmm. old and uh yeah it's uh impacting me for sure but let me let me just let me because i i'd forgotten about this dream interpretation um <clears throat> I mean, I'll try. There's a lot here, but let me see the part that's like, um, the bird's eye view of your dream does seem to be about this bind you've been in, uh, for a long time, uh, These feelings of yours have been marinating, have become so powerful, it manifested in a dream so vivid you remembered with excellent recall and waking life compared to or perhaps other dreams that stay in the dream world. Much like COVID revealed and made crystalline in your consciousness, the depths of your despair, the bind being your helplessness and despair in relationships to your craving and desire to create and return to artistry. Uh, this is the one layer of what the pregnant woman in the neighborhood kids represents. That's another part of the mm-hmm. dream mm-hmm. and I don't know if you remember yeah, um right. uh but let me get to the part that's relevant to Yoshi and um oh, here we go. You've spoken in the past about your work in radical liveness and about coming to terms with not having that male role model around the home in formative years. And I'm sure you've done deep work in this area, but your desire for a male mentor is still in you. Showing up in both the pregnant woman's husband and in Yoshi appearing. Throughout your awakening awakening to the illusions of the governmental systems whether you're okay admitting this or not, which still held some patriarchal energy for you and obviously for a lot of people, hence Trump, you had Yoshi, another male mentor, a spiritual teacher to ground you in these turbulent times. I forgot again some details you described in your dream, but you're falling with him in the car. It might hurt to say, but eventually you'll have to face the prospect of losing even Yoshi as a male mentor. Mm-hmm. I titled this PDF, Oedipus Complex, because even in the dream, you weren't sure whether the pregnant lady killed her husband, whether he was already dead, and that's why everyone was gathering, but no matter how beautiful the illusion of the model patriarch, you must become the patriarch for yourself. Mm. There is no government, no spiritual gurus, it's ride or die on you. So you are not going to stay stuck in your despair. That scene of bandits, can't remember, they were trying to kidnap you rather than be captured, tortured, maimed, experiencing a slow death. You're cho- choosing to fight or die. You've spoken about your deep work in killing your mother with the support of Anne, but I wonder, have you yet killed your father, your desire for a mentor, a teacher?
2: Mm. Wow.
0: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, yeah. right? Like, because mm-hmm. one of the things I wanted to talk about that's been alive for me is, yeah, like this this resentment I've been harboring about just all the lies in mm-hmm. the systems, you know, uh, the government, the media, all that, just all the institutions, that just the absolute resentment that I feel and be- sense of betrayal that they've been lying to us manipulating us mm-hmm. and yeah they are there's a sort of patriarchal energy there and i think it does tie into feelings of yeah the, the of helplessness and the desire for a male role model um for someone to guide me mm. and and the feelings of betrayal So this, you know, it's yet another betrayal and that I have to be the man that I wanted Mm -hmm. that, 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 that that's where I'm at now. There's no way out of that. There's nobody's going to teach me, mentor me like that, that longing that I had, for that safety, for that support, for that love. Mm. It's come and gone. And and I, and I it's not that I didn't get it along the way. I did. But I, I certainly didn't get it the way that I wanted and needed as a child. And it was painful. And there there is still resentment there. But I have to let go of that resentment. Mm. It's time to let go of that resentment and just accept the pain of what I didn't get. And, uh, yeah, become the man that i needed be the man that i was longing for
2: how how do you how do you let go of resentment
0: i think you have to grieve accept have to accept accept the reality of what happened. Mhm. Except the betrayal. I mean, did you see that Jordan Peterson post recently? Mm-hmm. He said the hardest thing for people to overcome is being lied to, being manipulated, being betrayed. Mm. Because then you can't trust.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
0: when that rug is pulled from underneath you when people you trust when it turns out they've lied to you or they betray you it's very hard to recover from that and you, you really are filled with resentment and I, I related to that that's how I felt mm-hmm. you know I trusted and I was betrayed and yeah I'm filled with resentment anger not in this moment but I have been mm. and it feels like yeah, that's been my that's my work currently is to let go of that, to accept. Feel the pain of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there's a million movies, right, about the I'm trying to think of there's one I can't I can't think of the name of the movie or it's some it's some superhero hero movie, but the the bad guy is essentially unloved by the father. Oh, well the gladiator.
2: Right. Right. Uh I mean, that's the
0: story, right? He doesn't get what he wants from the father. And then he, you know, he, the the father's love is for someone else. And he doesn't ultimately give his son, uh, the kingdom Mm -hmm. and doesn't give him the love and respect that the son feels like he should have. And he goes bad. He kills Mm -hmm. his father. He literally, you know, he kills Mm -hmm. his father and then takes over and becomes a tyrant, motivated by this resentment
2: and this desire to be loved.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's what's motivating. Yeah, that's what's motivating all of it.
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so he would, that character to heal would have to accept what happened to him and his father chose another Mm. didn't love him Mm -hmm. or didn't love him the way that he wanted or needed or something. Or maybe there's no getting over it. I don't know. Maybe maybe you let that resentment (laughs) fuel you and then you, you, you take it all the way and that does something and, You follow that all the way and that creates some dynamic that somebody has to rise up to meet that and the whole thing continues.
1: Mm.
0: Maybe it's a choice. I mean, I can feel it. You can feel the choice? I can feel like, yeah, I could go to war. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I could go to war against the system. I mean, that's that's kind of where I've been sitting for the last five, six years, I think. Mm Mm-hmm am I going to accept this or am I going to go to war with the system? And I've been caught in between and I have a warrior spirit and I, and I have a, I don't know, a guru spirit as well. And they, they, <laughs> I don't know, maybe they need to talk to each other or may, maybe they they need to be integrated in a way that I don't quite have figured out. I don't know.
1: Hmm.
0: The father. The man, Mm. the patriarchy. Big, big themes. Anyway, yeah, that's what's going on. Does that all make sense?
2: Yeah, it it makes sense. I I, I think I just need to say something to get myself here. Uh, Because as soon as you started talking about Yoshi, I could feel myself leaving. And I don't... I didn't know why. I didn't. I didn't know why exactly. I mean, obviously, like it's upsetting to me. Um, but like during this time that you've been talking, I keep telling myself, "Come back, Angela, like, Come back. Come back." And uh, so I just. I don't know. I can feel like I'm not. I'm not fully, fully here, and I wanna. I, I just wanna. I wanna come back.
0: Well, what is it for you, Yoshi? Who is Yoshi for you? I mean, I know you... Well... Yeah, go ahead.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a father figure for to mm-hmm. me, too. I think the first time that you told me about him and you invited me to the song circle it was like Yoshi. It was like, oh, he's... I, I assumed he was Japanese, Asian, you know? which surprised me and was like, oh, <clears throat> and then seeing him, I don't think I consciously knew this, but there was, you know, he, there's, there's a similarity to my dad. He looks like my dad, you know, and I showed him a picture the last time he was here. He's like, do I look like your dad? And I was like, yeah. And I showed him, he's like, mm. <laughs> you know? and there is, you know, this, this thing. And, um, Yeah, so It's funny. I I have this this part of me that's kind of like there's a part of me that when when people are dying, I I can feel this part of me that's just like I'm um I don't know. It feels like I'm already in acceptance of it, you know, that people die, you know, and there is a way in which I feel connected to spirit. And so I'll be connected to Yoshi, you know, no matter what happens. And I love that part of myself, you know, and there's another part that's happening right now. And I think the part that was like, just wanted to leave my body, that there's like a real Um, yeah, it's like a loss, you know, like, and I think it makes me think of my dad, you know, in the last conversation we had where, you know, he told me that he's been coughing a lot more, you know, and he doesn't really know why he's been to all the doctors and He's gotten surgery, like it's some some sort of like post nasal drip that he's had for the last twenty years, you know, but it's gotten worse, and I could hear it, and you know, again, I had this feeling like if my dad dies, it's okay, you know, like I'm glad that we've had the conversations that we've had, and especially in the last two or three conversations that we've had uh, in the last few weeks. But yeah, I guess, you know, I, I haven't really, and I, I think I've said this to you, maybe even on this podcast, like I haven't had a lot of death around, you know? Yeah, me either. Yeah. I have
0: never been to a funeral.
2: Wow, well, I've been to funerals, but
0: <laughs> one, one, well, I guess, but like high school, somebody's mother died or something, and we all went I and mean, went to a Catholic school. But I mean, there's people who've died, I've had aunt and uncles die, but I didn't go to their funeral. I don't know why. I mean, I could have in the one case, but I don't know. I decided not to.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
0: I Felt guilty about it for a while. I was like, what's wrong with me? But I don't know. Now I'm like I don't know. It's okay.
2: Well, I mean, maybe it's it's like you're you're going there to Yoshi because you really care about him. Mm-hmm. And you know, if he does die, I'm sure that you'll go to his funeral. Yeah. It's like that's because you you know your heart is connected yeah. to it. And so but yeah. But you
0: haven't had a lot of death
2: of people that I really care about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I do I also have a regret that I did not attend my grandmother's funeral. Um but yeah, the, but uh, you know, there there haven't been a lot of people that I really really cared about who've died. And so I think, you know, we're at that point. It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I will say, you know, my cat, Sabrina, who died right at the very beginning of the pandemic, I feel like she, she taught me something that I, I, I swear, I, I saw her. Like, I didn't see it. I, I felt her spirit or that essence part of her leave before her body actually died. Hmm. Like, like before it gave out. Right. And I wasn't scared. I just, I just was there. I was present. I was like, okay. Ferd was freaking out. (laughs) He was like, what is happening? What do you
0: mean? (laughs) He was freaking out.
2: Because her body, like she was, you know, she was, her breathing was really labored. She had this really weird sound that she was making. And then I could feel that her spirit was going and then her body for the next hour or so was like, like this involuntary uh, vibration or, you know, she was just her, it was like, uh, I don't know what you call that, but it was like this kind of shaking, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and Ferd was afraid that she was in pain and that he was really upset that he It was like, we waited too long. We waited too long. We should have gotten the, you know. And I, and I was like, no, no, she's gone. This is just her body needing to let go of what it needs to let go of. Mm. And, you know, before then, I didn't want to be around any animal that was going to die. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be around anybody that was going to die, you know, any body. But. I don't know. Now I, I, after that, I was like, "Oh, it's a sacred thing to be a witness to somebody dying."
0: Yeah, I think I don't go to funerals also because I, I there's something about the way we deal with death. I don't like it.
1: Mm.
0: I, don't, I don't, I don't. I actually don't see what the big deal is. People, we're gonna die. Mm-hmm. People die all the time, and. I've never really been that sad when somebody died, mm. to be honest. I mean, I feel sad for Yoshi, but I also, I, I kind of trust it's, may, maybe if he dies, it's his time. It's mm-hmm. the same way with my dad. And that's what I said to my dad. I'm like, are you concerned? He's like, yeah, I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. So, are you afraid? He's like, no. Huh. Like, you're not afraid? He's like, well, wait, the, people make it such a big deal out of death. He's like, we all die. I mean, it's, what's, mm. and I, I guess I feel the same way. Maybe there's something that's, defended there but I don't think I deny how much people mean to me Mm. and I don't think I deny the loss but maybe I just feel yeah it's like okay well they live they died and it's okay Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and I do feel them I feel like they're here Mm -hmm. somehow I can access access them in some way so I don't know Mm mm-hmm And like if I die, I I don't want anyone sad. (laughs) Don't be sad. Like celebrate. Have a party and talk about like all the crazy shit I did. Like tell (laughs) stories about how nuts I was. Get get drunk and stoned. Speaking of stoned.
2: Oh god. Here we go. Are
0: you stoned?
2: I'm not. You're uh, not, because no. you said
0: you wanted to talk about your cannabis problem on this podcast.
2: I didn't say cannabis problem. I don't know.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You're. Uh, I said what's I wanted to. T-
2: I wanted to just talk about my relationship.
0: Oh, your relationship to cannabis? Yeah. Because you, you, we did record a podcast that we didn't publish. Uh, where I was filled with resentment, and it was interesting, but it was boring ultimately. Um, and you were, you were high during that podcast and then I came over to your house the other day to drop Jan off and, and you were also high. Mm -hmm. And so you, you, are going with this. Mm -hmm. You're enjoying it. What is it? Tell, tell us. I mean, we've talked about it before, but what's,
2: well, why did you want to talk about this? I mean, I wasn't sure I wanted to talk about it today because I'm not high, but,
0: um, we can, we can pin it. We can pin it. Sure. You want to get high and talk about it?
2: Uh... Yeah, I mean...
0: You looked very relaxed when I came over. I dropped Jan off, Mm
2: -hmm. and you were
0: wearing... What were you? You were wearing some robe?
2: No, I was wearing a jumpsuit. But a shorts... It was
0: very short. It was a lot of leg. (laughs) And I noticed it right away. Uh, and it was, uh, it, it seemed silky.
2: hmm Yeah. My friend Michael
0: gave it to me. Yeah. It was silky kind of jumpsuit, a lot of skin and you were high and you seemed very relaxed
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you were in your home
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, uh, it was a different vibe than I'm used to. You were not, uh, uh, kind of buttoned up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You were chilled. Yeah. And I had not seen quite that, uh quality in you before. It was good.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm glad that you saw it. And I, I'm glad that, that that part of me came out. And you know, I, I think the thing that I wanted to share about was that my relationship with cannabis has been one where I've really had to work through my shame more than anything else. And I've talked a little bit about that already, you know, on this podcast, but it's been so, um, you know, I think, I don't know if this is true amongst Chinese people. I don't know if this is true even in my family, but there's some sense to me that, uh, marijuana is bad.
0: Yeah. Chinese people drink, smoke cigarettes and gamble. They don't get high
2: exactly mm-hmm. or do drugs of any kind they don't do dr- drugs i mean they do the kids must be doing opium it. opium was a chinese. right right chinese
0: opium dens
2: <laughs> and i no, they and definitely there are chinese people who do drugs i mean you know heroin my uncles you know like the whole yeah there's like a, mean,
0: what do you mean drug like party drugs or
2: no like hard drugs really yeah
0: like cocaine
2: yeah really heroin yeah
0: of course it's everywhere it's
2: everywhere But it's bad. It's bad. Yeah,
0: it is bad. Hard drugs, isn't it?
2: I I mean, yeah. I is it
0: separates you from God? Come on. I've tried cocaine twice, and it was to me. I as soon as I started coming down from it, the moment I started coming down, I was like, "This is satanic,"
2: (laughs) because.
0: I don't know. I just, that was my feeling. I, it was never, the, and the only two times I did it were like, it was like three in the morning, New York city. I was all alone. I was drunk. I was alone. I was scared. And some girl, some woman, you know, came up to me and was like, Hey, and I just wanted some attention. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Like I was desperate. Hmm. wasn't, you know, wasn't a good place for me. It was the only two times I've ever done it.
2: You were desperate for what? Connection. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that that's what it is. It's like a a connection that people...
0: I guess. It doesn't really connect you. No. No, it's a lie. Yeah. It's dark. For me. But a lot of people love cocaine. I, I know people to this day that are weekend warriors. Hmm. I mean, maybe not a weekend, but they still, once in a while, yeah, did a couple lines. I'm like, whoa. Mm. Just party drug. You know, they're not addicted, but, mm-hmm. you know, went out, went to this party a couple times a year, do a couple lines of coke, have a good time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I guess, yeah, I guess. I don't know. What do I know?
2: I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I, uh, cocaine, heroin, those drugs, I, I feel like if I did them, uh, this is the thought that I have. Like if I do those drugs, I'm going to die. Like right. <laughs> that's, I don't know. Yeah. Why. That's kind of how I feel. Oh yeah. But, so
0: marijuana, yeah. cannabis.
2: So the first time that I ever got high that I really got high. I mean, I tried it in college, but it's true. If you don't inhale, you don't get high. you know. So I, I think I tried it a few times and I wasn't really high. But then uh, I was in Vegas. I lived in Vegas for 10 months doing this show.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And the last night that we were there, somebody had some marijuana. So I tried it and I got high that night. And the first time that I experienced it um, uh, I experienced being able to see things that I wasn't able to see before in people.
0: Yeah, you've you've told this story before I on have. the podcast. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Yeah. You had you were and your voice. Something happened with your voice. That's
2: right. Like <clears throat> I was able to access a certain yeah. place singing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my relationship with it. I access places in myself that I don't have access to in a on on, in my regular well i think life. that
0: that it actually makes new connections in the brain like it creates new neural pathways so that it, it's actually true you are making new connections
2: well those and those connections seem to stick mm. i mean you know yeah not all of them but that place of being what you saw, like the relaxed place in me. It's like I have more access to that place now on a regular basis. Not always. The
0: relaxed place? Yeah. Right.
2: It's like I can, I can feel that place inside of me. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, oh, yeah. I, and that's my intention, you know, is to be able to... Um, Chill out. To be able to access those places and then be able to do that without getting high. Right. Which is part of the reason why I got high, you know, on this podcast. I think the first podcast that we published. Yes. Was me high.
0: And the second.
2: And the second. Yeah. And
0: who knows how many others that you haven't told me about.
2: I tell you almost every time. But but the point
0: almost of, every time
2: almost every time except for the last time. Oh okay. Which and then I called you after right you afterwards.
0: You're racked with guilt.
2: <laughs> well, no shame.
0: Shame. What is shame? Why do you feel shamed? And what is it?
2: Well, it's some place that wants to hide. Why? It wanted to hide because it felt like I, I was had this thought like it's bad. that I shouldn't be doing this. So you're
0: bad? Is that what shame yeah, is? Yeah, I'm bad. You're bad. There's something. And if everybody knows that you're bad or people find out that you're bad, what's going to happen?
2: I'm going to be shamed. And then I'm going to be yeah ousted from the tribe in right. some way. That's what you it know? is. Yeah. Right. And so then I decided in that moment before I called you, it was like, what if that thought is actually wrong? what if i if I tell Dave and the the truth is that it's it's actually good for me it's not bad it's right. good, and that if I tell him the truth that we're actually it's not going to oust me it's actually going to create deeper connection like what if that's the truth
0: and what happened
2: that's exactly what happened I didn't shame you you didn't shame me at all mm. and and it was such a was such a beautiful conversation. In fact, I think it was like, it almost single-handedly healed my shame around it. And it was just like, why don't you, you you were like at the end, you were like, why don't you just enjoy it? It's like, yeah, right. Exactly.
0: I'm a very powerful healer. (laughs) I'm just going to own that.
2: (laughs) I mean, it really helped me to, it it changed something. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I don't, you know, again, and I'm saying this, you know, I don't know who's listening. It's not like I'm suggesting that everybody goes out and does this. I'm just, I'm doing something right now that's allowing myself to heal myself for my shame around mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Yeah. Whatever it is that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that's voting for Trump or, you know, getting high on a podcast. Right. Um, And... Uh, yeah. Cause you asked me, we we're like, do you have a problem? And I said, I don't think so. I think my problem is the shame. Right. And there is something that I, I, I don't know. It's like, it's very like if I have to hide something about myself, it's the worst thing for me. It's very bad. It's that that's what's bad for me. Any place where I have to hide who I am, what I'm like, what i You know, even that place that you saw, that relaxed place, Mm -hmm. that's a place that I've had to hide.
0: Why? Why why have you had to hide that?
2: Because I got in trouble for it.
0: That's right. I remember that story.
2: Yeah. Like severely punished. So that's not true in my life anymore, but it's someplace that still lives in my body. And so... Like I'm starting hmm. t- to see, like,
0: is is was Jana being here for the weekend have an impact on you because Jana is gives herself permission, I think, oh, she's, to she's the best have uh, her pleasure. Yeah, she moves towards what feels good. That's her whole orientation, in a sense, or almost her spiritual principle. I I do what feels good, and I don't do what doesn't feel good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and so, and
2: and there's no shame.
0: There's, there's, there, there's little shame.
2: There's little shame. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Yes. There's not no shame, yes. but yes. And, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: But yes, there's, she's, she's but very powerful no, in that place.
2: She's very powerful. It, there, there's, you know, there might be some shame for her, mm-hmm. but she, there's no place where she shames me. Right, yes. And she holds that very powerfully. Mm-hmm. And I think she holds that very powerfully for her, her clients and mm-hmm. for, her, for her friends and mm-hmm. for her family. Like, I I just, I think that she just holds that as a... It's not even... She just does it naturally.
0: Yeah, yeah. And... Not that she's okay with everything. She's no. not. No, she actually has, like, firm boundaries and... Uh, Values and and principles that she's not afraid to say that's not good. I don't like that. This is wrong.
2: Well, and I, and that's why I tell her and you Mm -hmm. and my therapist, like I'm, I'm, I'm saying this out loud. Like I'm, I'm sharing like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm high today or, you know, whatever it is, you know, and I trust that especially the three of you are going to tell me angela what you're doing is fucked up. Right. You're going to tell me the truth. Right. So, I'm trusting you guys, you know, and and myself at the same time, but but really like it's like if if you have a problem with it or if you if you felt like there was something off, like the snacks, you would tell me. Yeah, that's
1: true. <laughs> it's true.
2: So, yeah. It feels good to be saying all this right now.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, I want you to be free.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I want to be free.
0: What's it? We're only as free as our secrets. Isn't that the the saying?
2: Mm-hmm. We're only sick as our secrets.
0: We're only sick as our secrets?
2: That, that's, I mean, we're probably. We're as
0: sick as our secrets? Yeah. Oh.
2: I mean, it's probably it's the both. the freedom
0: thing. Yeah, you know, there's something with freedom. But We're it's only the same, as free as we thing.
2: reveal our secrets.
0: Right. That's why I would love Howard Stern. He just seemed like, and I, I think it's true, he just said everything. I mean, w- you know, what, what could he have been hiding? I, I have no idea. But he would just reveal everything. Mm-hmm. And there was liberation in that for him and for me to listening, including his, you know, his lower self, his mm-hmm. shadow. And he said a lot of dark, crude things, but he gave himself permission mm. on the radio and it was entertaining because it was edgy.
1: Mm.
0: I mean, there must be a reason that I listened to him for so long. I was fascinated. I wanted that freedom. Mm had to be a good boy be a good boy
2: do you feel like you have that freedom
0: um more and more I mean that's what we talked about in the podcast that we didn't uh put up didn't publish last time where I'm yeah giving up this idea that I'm a nice guy or a good guy. I don't know. But then the more I let myself have all of myself, the it's actually the more compassionate and loving I feel.
2: Wait, say that again.
0: Well, the more I let myself feel what I want
1: mm-hmm.
0: and to maybe pursue it aggressively, mm-hmm. shamelessly, mm-hmm the more I feel connected to my heart, my compassion, my love, my purpose. And it's being disconnected from the entirety of who I am. Wearing the mask of the good boy that I think causes the resentment.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. Because you're trapped there. I'm
0: trapped. hmm I don't want to be good
2: in order to be loved. Or yeah. Accepted or exactly.
1: Uh-huh.
2: But are you also, I mean the, the being bad or, you know, it's, it's a revolt. Of, exactly. It's which a is revolt. also not free.
0: No, it's not free. And I've been bad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean it's interesting, we've talked about this before, but Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones and uh Ozark. Mm-hmm. And what's the other one? The Mafia one? The Sopranos? The Sopranos. Uh-huh. All the main characters, they're they're horrible people. <laughs> They're just, they're bad. All right. <laughs> I mean, breaking bad. Literally, the guy goes dark evil. And, but they're free, they're liberated, and we love them. Mm. And they're not obviously all bad. Mm-hmm. They have some kind of moral code. It's just interesting that those shows are among the most popular of our time mm-hmm. must say something about who we are mm-hmm. and that there's this dark side of us. That's not fully integrated, <clears throat> which I think is true for America.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We have the mask of the, the good. And we're not so good. Come on people. You know that don't get me started. <laughs> don't get me started in this fucking war. Just gonna say, listen listen real closely. Just listen. We're the bad guys. (laughs) Just listen. We're the bad guys in this war, not Russia. We're the bad guys. Okay, I know you know that. Just let it in. It's okay. (laughs) It's true. Or not? Who knows? But we're not good. It's fine. Mm -hmm. That's what Trump was. That's what I always thought he was. Here to reveal the shadow of America. Show us who we really are. Hmm. Freed us from the slavery of the matrix that we were living in. Abe Lincoln 2.0. Thank you, Donald Trump. Appreciate you. Hope you come back. 2024. I mean, it's looking good, you got to (laughs) admit. Do you know how much pleasure I would take if he got reelected? I'd be so happy. And I would put it in all of my critics' faces.
2: You've gone back and forth with this. I've asked you. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I just, are you at a different place right well,
0: now? Well, no, I prefer to say this. I just can't. I, I mean, who? You know, whatever. I don't want to get into politics, but um, yeah, Jan. was just saying. You know, there's. She was talking about the podcast, and the podcast is very triggering for a lot of her clients. Hello, out there, Janice clients. <laughs> Climate change is bullshit. You know it's true. They've been telling us we're all gonna die for 25 years. Come on, come on, you still buying that? Come on, let it go, it's okay. That's the hard one, climate change. People just can't, it's a religion. You don't believe in climate change? No, I don't. Not the way they're telling me it exists. Science. Science! You not don't believe in science? No, I don't believe in science. Science is wrong all the time. Okay, I'm going to... Just stop me. Go ahead, stop me.
2: Stop <laughs> me. Stop me, Angela. You Stop yourself. You can't help it. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. But...
0: I like triggering people. I like provoking people. It's fun. Tihash. Go ahead.
2: Well, no, I was, there was somewhere where I felt like we were just about to go, but I don't know exactly where we were going. Where were we going? Somewhere beyond good and bad. Yeah. No, we can go
0: there. That's a hard conversation. It's very triggering to people.
2: Beyond good and bad. Well, there
0: it is. Let's like like, it's let's apply it to the climate change argument, right? Like people who are adamant that climate change is real. How do they know? Because the TV told them. That's how they know. That's how they know. They don't. They don't. You're
2: saying the majority of people.
0: Yeah, the major people who the majority of people who believe in climate change. The reason they believe it is because the TV told them Mm -hmm. or the New York Times told them. Somebody told them, but they can't read science. They don't understand climate models. They don't actually know. Somebody told them.
2: There are a lot of people who can, though. A
0: a lot of, yes, a lot of people who can, and and there's a lot of debates about what those statistics mean.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: A lot of debate, but we're not allowed to hear. We're only allowed to hear one side of that debate. It's settled science. That's what they're telling us. And we don't need to get into all the lies about 97% of scientists agree. That's a lie. That's not a thing that's real. That's not true. So the fact that they're lying or misrepresenting things to me is an indication that there's something off there, that there's an agenda. <clears throat> and maybe people feel because uh, we need, we do need to, there's too much pollution and it's bad, certainly and we need to move to uh, clean energy. That we need to tell the story that uh, climate change is here and it's serious. It's a catastrophe, and we need to do something now. And that's how we're going to convince people to to make this change. And I think they I think they rationalize the uh, hyperbolic language. I mean, there was an interview with somebody from uh, one of the one of the climate activists on the BBC, and they they said that that's what they said because the interviewer was like what you're saying isn't true this is not like actually true here's the here's the UN report and what you're saying they're saying something different she's like well we need to exaggerate in order to facilitate action so they're using fear as a tactic which you know I don't I don't like but the point is it's like why do people believe in climate change because they think that it makes them good i'm a good person And people who don't believe in climate change, they're a bad person. And people are terrified to be lumped into the bad. Dumb. Dumb, unsophisticated. And that is how they manipulate people. And so my uh, critique of climate change or my refusal to go along with the narrative is as much about that as anything. It's like, I'm not going to be shamed into believing something. I'm not going to be coerced. Same with COVID, same with the vaccine, same with the transgender argument, same with feminism, equal pay, all of that. I'm not going to be shamed. Mm. And if you need to shame me, I'm suspicious of your argument immediately. I'm going to, I'm going to assume that there's a lie in it. Otherwise, why would you need to shame me? to get me to believe it. And so that's what I'm standing against more than anything. And so I'm going I, in some way I'm going to reflexively say no. Just because of that. You try to shame me into something, it's like fuck you. Why are you trying to shame me? I'm, now I'm suspicious. I was willing to go along, but now that you you're making me bad or wrong for asking the question or pointing to something else that contradicts what you're saying. You're going to try to marginalize me, say that I'm stupid. Now we have a problem. Now, now I'm, I don't like that. And now you feel dangerous to me. feels This feels actually scary to me. Feels hysterical. So, I mean, this is, this is the also part of the resentment that I'm trying to let go of is just the betrayal that I experienced when I voted for Trump. Just the annihilation that I received from friends, family. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It was a betrayal. That's how it felt to me. And then it was just, and it continues to be a barrage of shaming and otherizing. I mean, Joe Biden said the MAGA crowd is the greatest terrorist threat to America that we've ever seen. Something like that. Mm. MAGA bad. Very, very bad. It's like, well, dude, I'm MAGA. Fuck you. It doesn't feel good. You're bad. You know, it's like you're lying. Why are you creating division? Your million people voted for that fucking guy. You're saying they're all, they're all bad. So I don't know. This is where my yeah, my warrior comes up. And it's like, you know, I pull out my sword and I'm like, you can go fuck yourself. Jennifer Aniston. Anybody who votes for Trump is a racist. Go fuck yourself. I mean, I don't know what to do with that. Accept it. Accept that this is what human beings do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Human beings that you know they get in the mob mentality, and and that's it. This is this has always been the case.
2: I guess you know, I guess what I'm seeing and what I feel maybe in danger of, even on this podcast, you know, yeah, it's like um i can be made bad right yeah and in that place where i am made bad i the place where i i, I feel hurt or i feel uh yeah like shamed mhm it's like uh, in that in that in a part of myself i want to do the same thing back Yeah, I want want to hurt you. I'm going to Mm -hmm. shame you. I'm going to Mm -hmm. make you bad. Yeah, and I don't want to do that. I mean, I a part of me wants to do that, but I don't want to stay there. Yeah, and that's what I feel like. You know, there's a risk of. I guess that's why I'm saying, like, I don't want to. I don't want to stay there. I don't want to like there's some way in which it's like okay there's a lot of fuck you you know and it's fine and that needs to come out and needs to be processed and uh owned and all of that but i don't want to stay there
0: yeah no i understand
2: because it's the same thing that they're doing
0: No, yes, it's true. But what do you do in war?
2: There's got to be another way. There's just got to be another way. Is there? Yeah. Well,
0: be- you know the story that Eckhart Tolle tells in A New Earth, that this young woman gets pregnant, and it's a scandal... And she blames it on this monk. He was the one. It was him. And the whole town, you know, shames him. And his response is like, is that so? And then when she finally has the baby, she gives him the baby to take care of. It's like, it's your baby. You have to take care of it. And his response is, is that so? He just accepts. Mm. And then later she admits it's not true because she wants the baby back and he gives her the baby back. And she's like, I want the baby back. And he says, is that so? And gives her the baby back. He's just an acceptance of everything. Mm. Right? That's the story. Mm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I'm not a fucking monk. (laughs) Okay, good for that guy.
2: Well, here's another story. So you know A Course in Miracles. Mhm. Um I just I just learned this uh, for people out there it's A Course in Miracles. How how would you describe it?
0: I don't know. I've never read it.
2: Oh. Well, it's supposedly a channeled text. Yeah. Um that is a course about how about miracles. And that there's no order and difficulty in miracles. And there's like lessons. 365 lessons that you apply every day, and basically it's like guiding you to uh, shift your mindset to seeing miracles all around, mm-hmm. all, all the time that they're happening, mm. and supposedly the person that is it's that this person is channeling is Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and it's it's like another. Way to see Jesus as opposed to just seeing it through the Bible. right. But the way that it came about were these it, it was these two uh, psych- psychologists or psychotherapists uh, from Columbia, or they were working at Columbia University. And the way that the I guess the the organization was run, this medical organization, It was a mess and the two of them were, I guess they were arguing about something. And at some point, I think the guy says, there's gotta be another way. There's gotta be another way. And shortly after that, this woman who had no spiritual connection whatsoever, she just started channeling this text and it just came out of her. She wrote it. She wrote it. She wrote it down. Was well, she, she and she channeled uh, and, it? And, and, she, yeah. she channeled it, and then I and then I think yeah, and then and they would have these meetings, and I think it took like seven years or something for the whole thing to come out.
0: The well, I guess I'm just curious when you say channeling, I I hear like it's right. spoken, and and it was it spoken, and someone is trans transcribing it because I think that's how the Pathwork lectures came.
2: Yeah, I think she. It was. It's like telepathy. Like right. She heard. <clears throat> you know, I mean, heard, I'm saying that in quotes, like, you know, she, she it's kind of like how I hear messages. I hear, it's, it's like, it's not auditory. You hear
0: messages? I know.
2: What? Here we go. Here we Um, go. It's like I wake up in the morning and I, it's like some message is being downloaded and I, I feel like it's, it's, it's a message and it's a strong message. What kind of message? I don't know. It could be anything. I, I I can't think of anything right in this moment, but the 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 point is that she was receiving mm-hmm. this information, and and if you read it, it's it's amazing, you know. It's it all makes coherent sense, right? You know, it's just this is just what the way that it came out. She actually, the woman, never applied the lessons because she didn't believe what she was. What, what was happening, what was, what was being downloaded. Hmm. But thousands, maybe millions, I don't know how many people started to, when they, they heard about this book, they, they started to apply the the lessons and their lives were changing. But I guess my point just being, there's got to be another way. And if we ask for it, I don't know. We're too.
0: Uh, and give up war? It's so much fun. Why would we give up war? I love war.
2: <laughs> oh, you do love war. Of course.
0: War is amazing. But I'm 52. And I think my warrior days are behind me. And now I have to settle into this new role as a kind of elder and be reasonable. It just completely sucks.
2: I don't know if it, reasonable is the right word. I'm
0: reasonable. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm totally reasonable all the time. I'm the most reasonable man alive. <laughs>
2: oh, funny. Funny.
0: <laughs> Course in Miracles. And you're doing The Course in Miracles right now?
2: Yeah. I mean, it was a book that I picked up, like, somebody recommended it to me, like, 30 years ago. Yeah and i did it then i didn't know what i was doing back then 30 years ago i don't even remember is that
0: how old is it it is
2: no it's it's way it's when did more. it come out um, when was this channeling 1970 event 1970
0: something i don't really know. the 70s oh i don't know why i thought it was later
2: um but it it yeah somebody the, this friend of mine
0: well same with human design right Gene keys isn't yeah. that all channeled mm-hmm. i mean that shit is crazy
2: yeah yeah, exactly.
0: <clears throat> so, I don't know. You don't know? There's another way?
2: I, I think that there there is another way.
0: I understand. There is another way. I guess that's what I'm trying to find. The other way. Yeah, well, it's just not getting caught up in it. I think that's, I mean, Laura Matsu, who I who's just very interesting, smart, provocative person on Facebook. She's always making the case that they're coming after your trauma. That's how they keep you hooked, Mm. right? They're propagating fear. They're, they're, they're going into the places where you have trauma and trying to activate your trauma response to keep you in fear. And that's how they control you.
1: Mm.
0: And so you have to heal your trauma. So you're less reactive. And then if you can do that, you, you, stay outside the matrix of their control. Mm. And that's how you win. And that the best way to defeat that kind of energy, that that, that sort of totalitarian desire to control with those means is through satire, mocking, humor. Mm. Which is why the comedians always crack the code. Who are the comedian? Who's full of shit? Who are the young comedians making fun of? That's all you need to know. Hmm. Hmm. And it's the humor that allows the truth to come out. There's something about, yeah, just being, you know, it being done in a humorous way that allows the it's, it, it, it to be received, the, mm-hmm. the critique to be received and the truth to be received.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? When it just comes direct... Like Jordan Peterson style, you know, those kind of truth tellers, That that that's effective. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you, but he's also incredibly articulate mm-hmm. and filled with all kinds of esoteric and scientific knowledge. But Tim Dillon is way more effective in some way than Jordan Peterson. Like it just, it, the comedy works. Bill Burr, there's a lot of them out there.
2: Dave Chappelle.
0: Dave Chappelle, yeah.
2: Who got attacked on stage. He got attacked
0: on stage, and the the they didn't charge. The yeah. district attorney didn't charge this. The district attorney of Los Angeles is not into putting people in jail or charging oh, right. with crimes. He feels like that's the whole problem. Good well, luck. With, good luck with mm, that, bro. Yeah, that's not going to go well. There's bad people in the world. Mm-hmm. You can't just go give them a hug, and they're going to be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore." It's like, no, they're deranged, motherfucker. I mean, mm-hmm. I understand. I'm not. I'm not like the in, in prison industrial complex is a problem. It's vile, but you have to do something. I guess I don't know. Good and bad, right and wrong. Is there a place beyond it? There has to be.
2: I mean, you know. I guess I'm that's the thing. I'm saying that, but I'm also like aware that the work that we do is to go through the lower self in order to get to the higher self. So Well,
0: to get to the higher self, but we also we're we're not saying oh you transcend the lower self, no, are we? No. We're saying you integrate it and it's it's there, it's a part of you and
2: That's right. and maybe
0: it's necessary. I don't know.
2: But I think it is necessary. Isn't it? The energy of it. The energy of it. I mean, I, I think that that's what we're trying to do is is to come, become conscious.
0: Are we doing it? How are we doing?
2: How are we doing? Are you
0: evolved? Are you enlightened, do you think?
2: Well, I think that I'm 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 more having more consciousness around right. certain choices that mm-hmm. I, I've made and how much energy has gone into those choices. Right. How much time, how much just wasted time. Right. You know? Right. And that... I can make better choices now. I mean, better. Time's ticking. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: We're getting old. Got to get to it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I want to.
0: You want to? Uh,
2: Yeah, I want to get to it.
0: To what? What's it?
2: I don't know. The... the unknown parts of me, the potential. Mm. What do you
0: mean? What's your instinct? What's your intuition about the unknown parts of you and the potential?
2: I just think that there's more, more places in me. Like, like what you saw, that relaxed place Mm -hmm. in me. It was like, there's something there that it's like, if I go further into that place, I can feel like I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know. But that's a better place for me to go than the trying to be good.
0: Do you think we're taking what we do seriously enough? Or work?
2: I think we're starting to.
0: We're starting to? Yeah. We need to take it more seriously?
2: No, I don't think we have to. I don't think we need to force anything. But I think it's just happening. mm. Um,
0: do we stand behind it enough?
2: Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm. Um, I think we do it
0: but I, I wonder if we need to be more direct.
2: Well, this is what I'm saying. Like, I, I think that we're going into this direction that that. You know, and I think that it's, it can be, it can scare you and me, you know, Mm -hmm. in ways that's like, oh shit, you know, where we kind of want to back off a little bit, you know, like maybe not commit and then come back in and then leave and then come back in. Yeah. And, and when I say that I want to explore my potential and go into the unknown, like what happens if I don't, if I don't back off, you know? Right. What if I, and if you don't leave, if we, you know, if we stay in this and, and see, just see where this takes us, you know, mm-hmm. like even saying that, I feel like I get scared, you know, something it means it's like, Oh God, you know,
0: Alexander Cortez said something the other day. And I've heard him say this before, you know, he has a lot of young men that ask him for advice. And he said, spend 10 years trying to be the best in the world at something Mm -hmm. and see what happens. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty good advice.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Especially, I mean, he's giving that advice to, you know, men in their 20s, but I I think it applies to us. Mm -hmm. Applies to everybody. I mean, what, you know, am I, I was listening to this Jesse Elder recording. I love Jesse Elder. Mm. And he's just. He's wise in a way that I'm I'm not, I guess. He's just different. And his perspective is is fascinating to me, so I've been paying a lot of attention to him. And he said you got to know who you are. He said I'm a wizard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I'm not I'm not a shaman, I'm not a healer. I'm not a builder, I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm a wizard. That's what I do.
2: What does it mean to be a wizard? Well, for him, it's
0: just like, you know, he works with people and he's able to see the thing in them that they cannot see and kind of, he knows how to, well, time piercer, that's his handle. Mm. He's a, I mean, in in a way he's a shaman, but, but he, he said, you got to know who you are. Are you a healer? Are you a builder? And there's a couple other examples, but I was like, what the fuck am I? Are you a warrior? I feel like I'm all those things. I feel like I'm a warrior, I'm a builder, I'm a healer. But there's something a about he- Yeah, and a wizard. But you got to pick one, I think. Don't you? Maybe you don't. I guess this the moniker of the healer is the one I resist the most. Even though th- you know, that's I've been called that. You know, people, you you know, you're 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 a healer. Mm. It was essentially true, but why do I? You know, it's like it's like tete. It's like I'm not a shaman. It's like, dude, you're exactly a shaman. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's like, well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and I feel that way. Why is that? I mean, I understand the word and the connotation shaman healer they have you know Mm -hmm. people are out there saying I'm a healer but if we take that out I think there's a part of me that doesn't want to own it I mean Mm -hmm. I made that joke earlier in the podcast it wasn't really a joke I'm going to claim it I'm a great healer I'm a powerful healer that's weird. It feels weird to say that. Is it wrong to say that, or should I just say that? Do I need to say that? Like, do we need to? We need to kind of stand behind and claim our gifts,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? And there's right. some. I guess maybe that's the point I'm trying to make. Is there some way that we're not doing that? Whatever those gifts are, and maybe maybe they don't need labels, but sometimes the labels help.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you're trying to do it right now.
0: I think so. But I resist it. I resist the label. It, it maybe then, the, yeah, and the identity that comes with it, and then I feel attached to that, which is fine. But internally,
2: internally,
0: internally, how do I feel about myself? Yeah. What Whether you? I express it or not, or articulate it or not, like what is the the label that I have for myself internally? What 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 do I hold? What am I carrying? hmm. You know, inside myself. I think it's, it's shaman that, that feels like, you know, shamans. I think that's what I'm doing on this podcast. I mean, people that are triggered and annoyed with me and upset by what things that I say in this podcast, to me, that's, part of what a shaman does
2: in order to what
0: to b- bring more truth to heal to what? what is the Terrence McKenna quote um I don't have this down but this is mm, the Terrence McKenna quote is um The shaman knows that life's a game. That's how he can work his magic. Mm. Everyone else takes it seriously. But I take it, I take it, I get caught in taking it seriously. Mm -hmm. But when I'm working, I can kind of, I can tap into the place. When I'm actually working, there's no, I tap into some place where it's like, I I feel, okay, this is just a game. And I just play and it's effortless. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I don't need to know. Maybe I just need to do whatever I want to do next. I don't exactly have to define it. But somehow I feel like I should or need to. I mean, you have to, you have to, brand things you have to you have to label them so people can attach some meaning to what you're doing
2: yeah and i can feel like as you go around it's like if i don't know what it is that you are doing or calling yourself there's some way it's like that i can't
0: right i can't find you exactly exactly
2: and, and so there's i think that there's a way i think there's a a way to overattach something mm-hmm. and there's also a way to underattach right right so what is your gift
0: i don't i was mean, <laughs> like you tell me i don't i don't what is my gift well i'm relentless
1: mhm
0: that's that's one of my gifts Um. What is my gift? I I don't know. I don't know.
2: I think it's um. I think we're similar in this in in a certain place. Mm-hmm. Um, where we can smell out the truth. Yeah, I, I
0: I think I'm good at that.
2: Yeah, it's like, and we can we can tell when something's off. Yeah. And in that place, like if someone is open to it, we can help them find what that, what the truth actually is for them mm-hmm. and come into like, you know, an, yeah. an aligned place. Yeah. themselves.
0: Yeah. I think, I think I have that gift. I think you have that gift. I think I'm. I'm a, well, I'm definitely a risk taker. Mm-hmm. I take a lot of risks. You know, I'm, I'm. I'm intelligent. I'm not the most intelligent. I'm. I'm. I'm not the deepest seer of truth. You know, but it, there's some. Wow combination, my intelligence, my curiosity, my intuition, my relentlessness, my courage that all adds up to something, I think. But I don't know. Yeah. What do I, what do I call myself? Transformational catalyst. (laughs) That's what I'm going to call you from now on.
2: That is what I call myself. No, I know, but
0: I'm just going to refer to you as Transformational Catalyst. How is that not your Instagram handle?
2: Well, it is now. I just changed it. You changed it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: At Transformational Catalyst?
2: Oh, oh, that my handle. Yeah. yeah. No.
0: Why not? I
2: don't know, because it's Angela I.
0: Okay, that's fine. But, yeah. Maybe it should be Transformational Catalyst.
2: Why? Why do you say that?
0: Well, that's what people do. That should be your TikTok name. And then you go on TikTok and start making videos. Hmm. Or Asian therapist. <laughs> there's a there's some therapist dude on there. I want to kill. He's like, it's okay to have all your feelings. I just he's not wrong, but just there's something about the way he says it. I'm like, no, it's not. You fucking pussy. It's so I don't know why I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I apologize. I'm not proud that I feel this way, but this is how I feel. I can't help it. I want to kill him. I want to wring his little fucking neck.
2: Wow, yeah, that's intense.
0: Yeah. Well, he's a put he is, he's he's uh, you, here's why because I think for me, uh, and I've discussed this before, we've gone too far. Into the feminine of accepting and loving and nurturing. And I understand, and that's okay. And we need a little more get off your fucking ass. You've been doing this for months and get to fucking work.
1: Hmm.
0: I don't like that. I don't give a fuck if you don't like that. It's my obligation to kick your ass. Let's go. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it either. Let's go. And then you get back from the workout or whatever it is. You're like, oh, that feels better. Thank you. It's like, yeah, no problem. Hmm. And the next time we do it, you're going to fucking be pissed off again that I'm talking to you in this way. But you need that. We need that. I need that, and I didn't get it. I was with a group of men today, unexpectedly. I went to visit my friend Bob, and he has this friend, uh, Bill, who's – insanely rich apparently because he's mm-hmm. got this in just it's like huge property there's two houses and so you know Bob's rich and he's got rich friends so I go over there and um Bob just happened to be in town mm. and uh you know meet this guy and he's I don't know he's not that old 42 45 you know alpha just, you know, in shape, little, little, um, you know, just slightly aloof Mm. at first. And so I was like, oh, okay. You know, I get it. You're rich people, you know, Mm -hmm. of course they're going to be aloof. Everybody wants something from them.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And, uh, but he was really cool. And then he showed me around the house and he was super friendly and kind of, you know, everything kind of relaxed. And then we went out. He's like, Oh, let's go out on the boat. We'll go, uh, you know, wakeboarding. Have you ever wakeboarded? I'm like, No. And he's like, oh, God, it's great. It's good. You're going to love it. You know? And so we go out there, and I've never done it before. And his friend Tony is also there. So it's Tony. And Tony is like kind of a, a buff guy. And, uh, and this guy, Bill, is, you know, they're men mm. and they're successful mm-hmm. and they're wealthy. Mm -hmm. And they, they're, you know, they've made it like they're, they've done something. And, uh, so there's, there's a lot of power there Mm. and I have my own kind of power, uh, you know, through my experience in life and through my presence. And so I, you know, I'm not intimidated. I'm, I'm very comfortable with myself and we get out there and they're trying to teach us how to wakeboard and it's not easy getting up is not easy mm-hmm. and the way they were coaching was so awesome because they were super supportive right like like you're going to do it it's great it's it's hard it's going to take some time it took me like 8 times to get up don't worry about it we're going to try again like totally supportive but totally firm mm. Like you got to put your feet down, press harder, press harder. Now you're getting getting a little lazy. You got to press harder. Mm. Like it was direct, it mm-hmm. was firm, and it was just every once in a while it was slightly challenging. Mm-hmm. And they weren't afraid to be a little like annoyed with us, mm-hmm. like, eh. and it created a little edge. Mm. But it were it worked. I, I I liked the edge. It made it urgent, it's like. Eh. And then I finally got up, and they were like, yeah. They, they were so <laughs> happy Aww. and supportive. And I was like, these guys are fucking awesome. Wow. They, like the best dudes that I'd been around in a long fucking time. Wow. Kind, generous, uh, and but also like men.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, you know, going back to where we started at the beginning of this podcast, there's something... Felt really, really good mm. to be around strong men.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I want that. I need that. And I want to bring more of that to our work. I don't, I, that's why, you know, the snacks mm. with the cookie. No fucking cookie. No. Because physical health is actually a huge component. You got to be physically healthy. If we're doing healing work and you're fucking blowing blunts and getting drunk and eating bonbons, it's, I I, honestly, I don't want to work with you. Hmm. I don't want to work with you. I don't want to work with people who are not taking their physical health seriously because it's, it's, it's maybe more important than your mental health. The two things are certainly tied together. So there needs to be, I don't know, for me, there needs to be some firmness in that area. I think, Mm -hmm. I think people want it.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I do. I mean, if they don't want it, that's fine. But.
2: How is that different from. It's a fine line, right? The like what you're saying in terms of the climate change and people shaming you. Yeah. Versus, you know, what you're saying right now, it's like there is a firmness. I agree. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's a way in which I can challenge people. But mm-hmm. it's it's a fine line. Between. Yeah, it's a fine line, for yeah. sure.
0: It's definitely a fine line. And I understand why it went the other way, because that uh, force of firmness can easily become oppressive, and it can become a way to discharge frustration, and it can become a way to shame also. So, and that's happened in the past. And that's, you know, why, quote unquote, toxic masculinity. That's, I think, how people see toxic masculinity. But there's also toxic femininity, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word. But uh, the devouring mother. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like overly protective. Overly understanding. Right? Mm
2: -hmm. I understand. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Not exposing their child to things that might that where they might get hurt or disappointed or get their heart broken or lose right i mean mm-hmm. this is the whole movement toward that mm-hmm. you know we're not going to have trophies or everybody's going to get a trophy it's like well that does that's not how life works and and you know i i understand that you know there has to be a balance but hmm you can't I just think we went too far it was too far one way and then I think we've gone too far the other way and now we have to find the balance again yeah that's all
2: well and maybe you know going back to gifts mm-hmm. like there's some some place where I can hear that there's some something in you that you want to bring out you know which which you are you're you're bringing that out in your work more and more in terms of the firmness, in terms of the masculine strength. That's not, that's relentless. Yeah. That is, uh, I'm holding this because it's good for you.
0: And it's my obligation and responsibility. If I don't do it, I'm not being of service to you.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, you know, I can feel like in myself because in that, in our, in our last fight about the snacks, right. It's, it's a fine line, you know, and I've, I've thought about it a lot, (laughs) you know, and I've talked about it. It's like, you know, that, that level of intense, like Mm -hmm. going after something, Mm -hmm. you know, like was it good for me ultimately? I think so. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm still debating, you know, inside myself. Like, I, you know, we'll see. You know, like that. It, it's, it's having an effect. I'm not, and I said this. I guess we didn't publish this, but, but in the last podcast we did, I just, I told you, like, there is some way in which I'm, I'm much more aware of my the place where I'm afraid I'm going to starve to death, you know? Yeah. And that, that's not, that's, that's a lie. That's no longer true anymore. In fact, it's, it's, it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. Even if there, I, I, I got to a point where I was like, because you've talked, you talked about the, the, that there may be food shortages that are coming in the future. Right. And I'm just like, oh God, that's like my worst nightmare, you know? But even in a food shortage, I will not starve. I don't think I will be one of those people. Maybe I will, but even if that happens, I'll be, it'll be okay. Yeah. And that, that's a new place for me to, to understand from. So.
0: Is it about that or is, is it about that you let me see the part of you that was like, you know, you can go fuck yourself.
2: No, I like that part.
0: Well, but you'd never shown that to me before.
2: Wait, so wait, what's your question?
0: Well, you, you know, you're talking... It was what I did good in term, Or or the, my pressing you, was it right. ultimately good for you, right? Like being unrelenting with the snacks. And you it brought more consciousness to this place inside you, this painful, scary place about your mother starving you, or at least you feeling like your mother was starving you. Well, that's one aspect of it. But maybe... The other aspect of it for me is I wanted to just feel you more mm. and that you were willing to engage in that way is a form of intimacy.
2: That's true. Well, that is true, actually.
0: And that's, to me, is very good. mm mm-hmm. Like I feel much safer with you because I don't want to be with somebody. I, I don't feel safe with somebody who's not going to say to me, you know, you can go fuck yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Fuck you. Being a dick.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that because I, I want to be able to be a dick. Mm-hmm. Like I want to, I, I don't want to, you know what I mean? I don't want to be moderated in some way. I want to, or I don't want to have to moderate myself. Meaning I, I don't want to have to hold back. I want to feel safe to like, Be all of who I am and feel like the person I'm talking to is strong enough to be like, no, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: not that you're not. But, you know, people, critics of this podcast have said that I'm not, you're not that you're you're complying or you're appeasing.
2: That's true. And since that time, I don't feel the same way. I mean, there are still moments, you know, but that's that is a defense of mine. What? To comply, to yeah. appease, to yeah, that's what I'm saying. Fawn, to, you know, yeah. You don't
0: think you do that with your clients? Mm. How can you not? Yeah. Well, it has to be a blind spot.
2: Yeah. Less. Much yeah, less. Yeah, for
0: sure. I'm just saying. I'm just saying.
2: Right. But with you, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I have any clients like you.
0: <laughs> not yet.
2: I mean, maybe some of the some people who are listening are like, "You're my client right now." <laughs> maybe I'm doing a pretty good job. I don't know, but anyway, I, wait, I'm your client. <laughs> yeah,
0: please. <laughs> please.
2: So, but yeah, no, it's true. Like that that interaction did create more intimacy in, intimacy between us. In that, I feel much freer with you. Yeah, and. I'm sure that people can hear that on some level, even as I'm talking right now. Right. That's true.
0: Yeah, that's the story for me. Mm. Not the...
2: Right, and maybe, you know, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, part of the reason why it's important for me to have food... You know, mm-hmm. is because I wasn't able to have my voice, you know, in some yeah. way. Yeah. And like now it's it's more important for me to have my voice.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we have, it's also like there's a modeling that has to happen that is, you know. We're modeling something. I mean, people are going to come to us because of what we model more than anything else, I think. Right. So, what are we modeling? We have to live it. And it's, you know, we, we've acquired, we've lived it by dedicating ourselves to this work and, and in a lot of different ways and to, you know, emotional, spiritual exploration. And we've accumulated a body of knowledge and wisdom that we've learned how to share and articulate. And that's important mm-hmm. as teachers, as therapists. But to take it to the next level, we have to embody and live the things that we teach. And so, what? And what do we want to attract? Well, I, I, I want to embody radiant health, freedom, abundance, and fun. Yeah. So I have to live that.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: So that's what I'm doing. That's my plan. And that that's all I have to do. And that everything, by making a commitment to that, everything will just come.
2: Well, maybe it's the label is like in your human design chart yeah. that I I, I know mm-hmm. of. For you, uh, you are the six two profile.
0: Six two, what's uh-huh. that?: So the six
2: The two is the natural, which mm-hmm. is about having natural gifts. The six is the exemplary human, the role model. Really? Yeah. And so maybe that's what it is. Maybe, you know, I have of to be an ex- exemplary or, role model, uh, exemplary human, mm. like you're a human, mm. you know, and that's, I think that you and I have talked about that. That's, that's what we want to do. That's what we wanted to do from the very beginning of doing this work. Right. Is be human. And right. I understand. Yeah. And, and like be fully out.
0: Yes. And now, yes. And we we're we've done that. And maybe there's more to do, you know, to reveal ourselves and to, yes, to model an acceptance of all of our humanity. I think we do a pretty decent job of that, giving permission. But now I want to, my intention is to be as strong as possible. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to make myself as strong as possible. So, you know, physically... Spiritually, mentally want to be as strong as possible. Yeah. Exemplary. So that, yeah. Exemplary. And, and that's, that's all I'm thinking about. How do I make myself as strong as possible from, you know, at this point in my life moving forward? Like mm. what, what do I need to do to be that and just worry about that? Mm. Build strength, build like, be all the way in my power.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Motherfuckers. <laughs> That's why I want to wring that fucking guy's neck. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's very understanding. But. I'm more into David Goggins right now.
2: I mean, what if the the strong place, David, mhm, is that the part of you that is the understanding, soft, nurturing, yeah, over-nurturing. Yeah. Over-giving. Yeah. Therapist person. Like Maybe I don't know. Maybe you need to l- accept and love that part of yourself. I
0: do. I do. I, I'm. I'm not. You hate I, that
2: part of yourself. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. I do. Yeah.
0: I'm. No, you I'm. Do. I'm very tender. I'm a very tender man. <laughs> you why are you? you, like, you why you the are. fuck are you laughing? Of course. Because
2: I am. there is a place where you are not accepting of yourself. There.
0: Hmm. Okay. Maybe. Well, maybe if the other part had more uh, space or was more developed, which it was when I was an athlete. I mean, that's that's the thing. This part of me I had in spades, and then it's like I almost like abandoned it. Well, when I became an actor and I got into it's, therapy, it's like everything no, went I think the other way.
2: I think it's been in your relationships.
0: What? What relationships? What do you mean?
2: In your relationships with women, it's like you you gave. Oh, like, I gave too much. Yeah. Like Mm. you didn't, you, you betrayed yourself. That's right. Do you hear
0: that, Diana? It's get ready. There'll be no more betrayal. (laughs) I'm just going to be saying no, 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 no. She's like, yeah, I got it. Thank you. You've gotten really good at that. (laughs) No, you're right. Well, it's integrating both. That's what I'm saying.
2: Yeah. And I have to integrate the part of me that's, that comes strong.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
2: And, and love that part of myself. I'm starting to. It's
0: a good part of yourself.
2: I think I've been scared of that part of myself. You know, house how's.
0: I wish people could have heard. <laughs> I wish she had it on videotape. <laughs> and it's just losing her mind. so good. you were not having it at all and then you got into the phone thing and just like you knew you knew and i know you know you're not you're gonna deny it in this moment no but you don't care and that's and i respect it you're like i know this is insane i know but i'm going with it anyway just to annoy you (laughs) okay good for you thank you good for you poor ferd
2: it's true. Poor bird. But lucky Ferd, too. You're worth it. That's so true.
0: Okay, Angela, is okay. that enough? It's enough. Thank you. Thank you.